and I can promise you that I'm going to take it seriously. On another note, I'd also like to solicit your prayers to make sure that the guidance and the wisdom and the strength that I'm going to need to be the servant of God that I need to be, that it's there. So please pray for me. But perhaps more importantly, please pray for John and for Cliff. They've got to put up with me. They've got to teach me, and I know I can be a handful on occasion. So please pray for them as well. Several years ago, an acquaintance of mine reached out to me. And when they reached out to me, they asked me a question, and the conversation went something like this. They said, Jeff, do you know so-and-so? And I responded by saying, well, well, yes, I do. Well, their follow-up question was something like this. Well, isn't it true that they're a Christian? Or isn't it true that they're affiliated somehow with the church that you attend? Or isn't it true that there's some kind of believing ability that they have? Well, you can probably see where this is going. I said, yes, uh, that's, that's true. I do know them, and uh, they do attend a place that I know. Well, then they proceeded to tell me about an incident or an occurrence or something specific that, based on their view of Christianity, they believe was not in line with that. They believe, based upon the, the one set of circumstances and the one incident that they had with this particular individual, they believe because of that that this person was acting hypocritical. Now, I stand up here tonight and I want you to know that as I prepared this lesson and as I studied these, these topics here tonight, I want you to know that I'm mainly preaching to myself. And perhaps many preachers do that. I struggle with this sometimes. I miss the mark and I can certainly do better in this category, in this area. But as we spend time together tonight, I want you to understand that missing the mark, hypocrisy, being a hypocrite, it's one of those sins that just doesn't affect the sinner or the individual committing those specific acts. There's collateral damage involved. It affects other people. And I know you've heard that old cliche or that example that Christians live in fishbowls. I don't know that I like to use that, and I don't know that I like that example, but I think we all understand exactly what that means. I think we understand that people look at us because we are different. People look at us because we claim to be followers of Jesus. So they're going to look at our speech, and they're going to look at our examples, and they're going to look at our actions. And in that illustration I just gave you, they're going to look at that one particular incident, and they're going to equate that in their humble minds as either they are Christians or they're not. And regarding that particular incident, I certainly don't know the individual's heart, and I certainly don't know all the circumstances surrounding that. But the perception of the individual that contacted me was concerned with what they saw. They believed it was hypocritical. They believed the person was a hypocrite. And as a result of that, a door was shut to learning about Jesus. So just for a few moments tonight, I want to talk about hypocrisy. I want to talk about the sin of being a hypocrite. But before I do that, I want to give you some, some background information. Sin, the, ver the, ve the very meaning of sin, means to, to miss the mark. You can see directly behind me here that uh, the Greek word 
is mentioned there, and I won't even attempt to say it because I know I won't say it right. But it misses, it means to miss the mark, and it's an actual an archery term. For those of you who like to go out shooting and for those of you who like to actually shoot with rifles or with pistols or even archery, you understand that there's a destination or there's a, there's a mark about you that you're trying to hit. You're aiming so you can actually accomplish the goal of hitting that mark. Well, we understand as Christians that our goal and our aim and our mark is always to be like Jesus, which happens to be the theme that we have for the year, being more like Jesus. That's always our goal. So when we're not like Jesus, we're missing that mark specifically here. Now, when it comes to being a hypocrite, the Greek word again is behind me up here, but it, it means something just a little bit different. It means to be an actor or a player. It, it means to be a pretender. It means to be something that you are not. And we as Christians, again, thinking about that fishbowl, we have to be as transparent as we can possibly be because the one incident that you have with the individual or the one time that you use that speech in front of that individual, they are going to utilize that to try to determine whether or not this Jesus is worth following or not. So we have to be careful with those things. Probably the best way that I can think of is to give you an example of how we should be living our lives is to turn to Matthew chapter 23. And I hope you have your Bibles here tonight because I want to walk through Matthew chapter 23 for emphasis sake. Jesus here is dealing with a specific problem. He's dealing with a specific people. And he has very important words here that he can give us about this exact topic, about being a hypocrite. And he's, he's not shy about feeling and telling us how he feels about this topic of hypocrisy. If you're not familiar by way of context what this means here, that's okay. Let me, let me see if I can't help you a little bit with that. In chapter 23, this is just days before Jesus actually goes to the cross and is crucified. We can see that he's here in the city of Jerusalem. He's either inside the temple itself or directly outside the temple. And verse 1 tells us that he's addressing the disciples. He's addressing the crowds of the multitudes, which it includes the Pharisees and the scribes. Now, the Pharisees and scribes, those were groups of Jews at that time who were religious experts regarding Moses and the Old Covenant. So if you had a question, if you had a concern, if you had anything you wanted to know about that, they would be the ones that were looked to for the answers. So here we have two groups of individuals who are directly inside Jerusalem, either inside or directly outside the temple, and they were the experts of the law at the time. One thing I left out, they didn't like Jesus. If you have a chance to read what happens before then or even to look at the other Gospels, you can see how they felt directly about Jesus, specifically. So read with me in Matthew chapter 23, beginning in verse 1. And I want to walk you through a large portion of this chapter here, making some notes for emphasis and telling you what I think is important, again, bringing out how Jesus feels about hypocrisy, specifically. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so practice and observe whatever they tell you, but not what they do. Notice how Jesus is already trying to set the stage here for hypocrisy and letting them know 
that despite them being the religious leaders, the ones that are important, the ones that have the answers, they're going to act one way, but they're going to do another. So listen to what they have to tell you, but don't do it. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all these deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greeting in the marketplaces and being called rabbi and others. A parallel passage, and if you like to write in your Bible, you can write down Acts chapter 15 and verse 10. And what that passage specifically says, it says that the writer there emphasizes that the old covenant or the old law, it was challenging. It was difficult to do. There was a lot to it. And obviously the Jews here knowing this, they said that they're adding to those kind of things. They're making it even more difficult by having the minute and the, the micromanaging, if you will, on top of all of that. Now, probably not many of you have phylacteries in your closets. If you don't know what that is, that's like a scarf that was worn around the head. It was like a hat and there was different sizes. They also came with like a, uh, uh, an armband and they would take scriptures and little boxes and place them in those areas. So when they would go out into the temple into other areas, they would look like they were these religious experts and people could look at them and see, wow, they must be really important. They must be really religious because they had these phylacteries. They had these scriptures that were here. So the outward appearance to them was so very, very important. We see there that they liked the places of honor, they liked the feast, they liked being called rabbi. So all this was an outward appearance. But inwardly, they weren't acting like they were supposed to. They were being hypocritical. Verse 13, we can see that Jesus starts to actually call them hypocrites specifically. Verse 13, he says, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. And woe to you means means it's a guilty admonishment, means shame on you. It's a condemnation for how they're acting. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would go to enter in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you travel across the sea and to make a single proselyte, which would be a conversion. Then he becomes a proselyte. You make him twice as much a child of hell as yourself. So Jesus is saying that everything that you do, you're doing it wrong. You claim to be religious, but all you're doing is shutting the door so no one ever wants to follow you. They're going about it wrong. Follow me in verse 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe the mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Well, mint and dill and cumin there, those are simple uh, vegetable spices, spices that you would possibly use for cooking. And what they would do is they would take a tenth of those things as they use them and they would set those aside for God. Can you imagine making your favorite spaghetti sauce or your favorite recipe and as you're pulling out the oregano or the salt and the pepper, you're setting aside a tenth of what you're putting in your spaghetti sauce? Well, this is what they were doing, but they were missing the bigger picture. They were missing what was really, really important. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. They continue there in verse 23. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Envision that for a minute, straining out a gnat, which is what they were doing, just to swallow the camel. Missing again the bigger picture of what they were supposed to be accomplishing. 
They weren't doing it. Verse 27, Woe to you again, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead men's bones and uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and you're full of lawlessness. Jesus, to use a boxing term, is pulling no punches here. He's continuing to let them know exactly where they stand, how wrong they are, how sinful they're being. The sad part about this, it's not just costing them their souls. It's not just a sin that they're committing where there's no victims. We can see there's collateral damage. We can see that others are being turned off as a result of this. Others are following them, and they're going to have the same fate. Verse 29, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part in them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your fathers, you serpents, you brood of vipers. How are you going to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that on you you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth from the blood of innocent Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Barakah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly, I say to you, all these things will come into this generation. Jesus sums it up by saying that he loves them. He sent the prophets to get them to change. He wants a relationship with them. He wants them to do what's right. But their fathers before them and then them now being the sons of murderers, he calls them. They didn't listen. They didn't follow them. In fact, he mentioned specifically here about Zechariah from Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Barakah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. And nowhere else in scripture does it tell us what this specifically means, but this is a specific incident that they would have known about, a murder they would be guilty of. So we have murderers then being called here. So we can see how hypocrisy and, and sin and them failing to follow Jesus. We can see how that in chapter 23, how Jesus so specifically condemned this. So what all does this mean to us? Why do we have this account? Why does Matthew, through the Holy Spirit, why does he give us this? What can we pull out from this? A few things I want you to think about as we make a few application points tonight. Understand, first of all, God hates hypocrisy. I don't want you to leave here tonight thinking that you're a little bit ambiguous, you're a little bit gray about how God feels about sin specifically, but specifically about hypocrisy. Understand God does not like hypocrisy. If you like to underline in your Bible, I'm going to give you some key words I think are really key to mentioning and understanding this chapter 23 as we see here. Again, Jesus is very descriptive. He's, he's, he's very forthcoming on how he feels about being a hypocrite. He mentioned hypocrites here and calls them that very specifically in verses 13, 14, 15, 23, 25, 27, and 29. Seven times he comes across and says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Shame on you. You're guilty. I'm condemning you. And calls them hypocrites. Verses 16 and verses 24, he calls them blind guides. And the connotation there is, again, they were the religious experts. They were the ones that were to be followed. 
They were the ones who were supposed to know the difference between right and wrong. They were the experts. But people were following them and they themselves weren't going the right direction. Verse 18, blind fools. Verse 19, blind men. Verse 26, blind Pharisee. Same connotation. In verse 27, whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. Again, the example, the meaning there, the contextual meaning there means that on the outside they had one appearance. On the outside they appeared religious. On the outside they appeared to be doing what they were supposed to be doing. On the outside they appeared to have the right beliefs, the right sincerity. But on the inside they were void of all those things. Like a tomb full of dead men's bones. Verse 31, sons of those who murdered the prophets. Verse 33, serpents, brood of vipers. And last but not least, verse 35, they were called murderers. Murderers in verse 35. Hypocrisy affects everyone negatively. And I've hinted at this already, but I really want to emphasize this now. Understand that hypocrisy affects everyone negatively. Look at verses 13 and following. Matthew chapter 23, again back in verse 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Jesus is telling us again, emphasizing that this sin again isn't just specific to the person. This sin affects everything in its past. It has the ability to domino, to snowball, to have collateral damage for so many others. And when I was studying this and thinking about this, a, a, recent, a recent incident involved me, me came, 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 to, uh, came to mind. Recently, I was sent to training, out of town training for several days, which is pretty common. Uh, with a uh, law enforcement agency. With me were several other officers and we went to our training and towards the end of it we checked out of the hotel and we got back into our vehicles and we're pulling out of the hotel parking lot and headed back for home. Couldn't wait to get back home. Well, as I'm sitting in the back seat I look down and I see a piece of hotel property that one of the officers mistakenly decided to take home with them. So I confronted the officer, very upset, very dismayed by the officer, because obviously officers are supposed to have character and have integrity and aren't supposed to steal from other people. So I confronted the officer, and his response was, what's the big deal? No one's going to notice. What's the big deal? No one's going to notice. Well, Jesus is saying here that he's going to notice. Others are going to notice, and it is a big deal. We have to remember again that our actions, our speech, our interactions with others, that may be the only Bible that they ever see. And they can utilize that either for good or for bad. We'll either be aiming and hitting the mark of following after Jesus, or we're going to be missing the mark entirely with those interactions. It is a big deal, and it does matter. Our third point tonight, what application can we bring from this Specifically, hypocrisy misses the mark. Understand that. It misses the mark. It, it aims in a different direction than we want to go and understand it is sinful. 
being a hypocrite is not where we should be aiming as Christians. Rather, following the example of Jesus Christ and striving to be like Him always in everything that we are doing. When I thought of this, I thought of a Hollywood example. You know, if, if you like movies and, and you like interactions with Hollywood, Hollywood is famous for a lot of things, but one of the things they're also famous for is for the limelight, for the attention, for the pride, for the pomp and the circumstance, for the notoriety and all those kinds of things. And you can easily make this, this analogy to what we were seeing with the Pharisees and seeing with the scribes. We can see how they wanted that outward appearance, that limelight, that importance, instead of following Jesus, which is going to be the reward in and of itself. Hollywood tends to have that limelight, and that shouldn't be the example that we're following after. Understand that his hypocrisy is a sin. It misses the mark that we're supposed to be giving for Jesus Christ. Last but not least, the fourth one that I, that I presented here, and again, there's so much information here, there's so many applications we can make for us today, but last but not least, I think it's important to note that we still must obey God. We still must obey God. God still expects us to follow Him regardless of someone else being a hypocrite. And I know dealing with my children and speaking to them about different things that are going on, inevitably, even when I was a kid, we would say something like, everybody's doing it. I want to go here. I want to go there. I want to engage in this particular activity because everybody's doing it. Well, first of all, everybody's not doing it, but it does seem like that when you're younger. But even if everybody is doing it, that doesn't give us an excuse to do it. Understand that hypocrisy is still wrong. Missing the mark is still wrong. The expectation is for us to make sure that we follow God regardless. We still must obey God. And when we look back at the beginning of the chapter on chapter 23, we can see how God himself says this. Verse 2. The scribes and the Pharisees who sit on Moses' seat so practice and observe what they tell you, but don't do what they do. God himself is telling us here, don't be a hypocrite. Hypocrisy is something that we have to stay away from. And even if everyone else is doing it, which they're not, we have to make sure that we still, we still follow Jesus. Back in Matthew chapter 23, and in verse 37, as we start drawing this lesson to a close, I want to hit on a high point here. And in verse 37, Jesus comes to a climax with, with the confrontation and the information he presents to his disciples and the multitudes and the scribes and the Pharisees he presents in chapter 23. In verse 37, he has these words, but understand the words he's making here are out of love. They are out of frustration. And this theme that you can see here in chapter 23 really is the theme we can see throughout the entire Bible. That is of God's love for us. That is of redemption. That is the mistakes, the sin that separate us from him. He's trying to give us a way out. He's trying to let us know that there's a way that we can get through these kind of things. And in Matthew chapter 23, verse 37, he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you would not. But you would not. Jesus is just days of going to the cross. We understand his ministry prior to that. We've been studying in our, in our morning Bible class all the way back to the Old Testament on everything God has done because he loves his people 
so very much. But he says you would not. You would rather have the, the attention from men, the limelight from men. You'd rather have the nice places to sit at. You'd rather be called rabbi. You'd rather wear these, these fancy hats and these, these armbands instead of actually following me, following after Jesus. And I think when we close with this, this particular verse and we ask ourselves, do we fall into this category? Do we have a, a problem with hypocrisy? Can we be hypocritical at times? And I know I'd have to answer, absolutely. Again, there's times when I struggle with this. There's times I can do things differently. But God wants to have a relationship just like he wants to then. The application we can draw to this, I think, the most important one is just that. God wants a relationship with you. But do you want a relationship with God? Are you willing to walk and be like Jesus, like you need to be, so you can avoid the sin of hypocrisy? Tonight we've looked at hypocrisy, how it's something that God hates. We've seen how neg negatively affects everyone that is involved. And please remember that. It's not just you or me. There's collateral damage. There's a snowball or a domino effect where usually it affects, tremendously affects and influences usually the most important people in our lives, our spouses, our friends, other family members, because they intimately see whether or not we walk for Jesus like we're supposed to. We see that it's, it's sinful and it does miss the mark. We see that it does not preclude us from following Jesus as we see our study in Matthew chapter 23. The, the application we can draw here is we have to understand that even if everybody else is doing it, we ourselves have to make sure that we are not. So let me close with this and ask you, are you struggling with hypocrisy tonight? Have you been a hypocrite? Is it something that's a pattern in your life? And I don't mean this flippantly, but would you win an Oscar for your performance as a Christian? When you leave this building here, and I understand it's so much easier to be a Christian while you were here in this building. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday nights, when we leave these doors and we go out into that world, which is challenging, which is difficult, which has lots of problems, that's when it's difficult to be a Christian. That's when it's hard to be more like Jesus. Do we struggle with that? Do you struggle with that? Is it something you can do better about? And last but not least... When we think about our theme for this year, let's make sure that we are more like Jesus in everything that we say and everything that we do and everything that we hope to be. The lesson is yours, and it's always our custom. It's, 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 it's always our practice to make sure that we pause at the end of our service, let the information develop just a little bit more, to think about what we need to do as Christians, to think about where we stand, where that relationship is with him specifically. If you haven't yet become a Christian tonight, I'd encourage you to think about these things carefully. Think about these things honestly. We are here. We can help you with that. If it's a Bible study, if it's, if it's something at all that we can help you with, please think about this. Time is temporary. James tells us we don't have much time here on this earth. If we can help you with these things, please think about these things carefully and honestly. All together we stand and we sing.